to Poets and Lunatics podcast. This is episode six, and I'm your host, James Pinedo, joined with my good friend, Casey. Hello, James. How's it going, man? Welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. Nice to be on uh, U.S. soil here again. Oh, we missed you. <laughs> Appreciate that, and man. I, and I know our audience missed you because, well, we missed your wisdom here, but also we missed the quality that you bring as our producer of this podcast. Uh, Good. I'm glad to be needed here. So our listeners for this episode six um, are going to be treated to a a bit uh, step up back to uh, where we were for episode one. And it's perfect timing because we are going to be talking about a subject that, uh, well, it's the most important subject we've talked about yet. We're talking mm-hmm. about uh, we're talking about sex and how that, uh, as artists who live and work in Los Angeles, who are men of faith, see uh, sex as part of their lives and what it means, mm-hmm. and how this act is reflected in art and popular culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so sounds like a good one. Yeah. Well, I I I'm underqualified, but very willing. <laughs> so before we dive in. I want to give a short a short disclaimer. A lot of the clips and music that we uh, that we are going to play will show an image and perception of sex. There will be some profanity. There will be some uh, cursing. There will be innuendo and things that that are implied in these clips. So uh, children that are watching should be advised to uh, probably listen to another one of our podcasts. But otherwise, uh, our listeners, we hope you are able to uh, find a fruitful 30 minutes here. So before we start, let's uh, give a quick shout out to Jesse Lee Yarbrough. We are missing you, Jesse. He's off working on a super secret project, uh, I believe. He could be doing that or he could be drinking somewhere. But Mm -hmm. I think it's the super secret project, I'm pretty sure. And uh, hopefully all of you will be hearing about that soon. Um. Okay, so before we dive into what sex is uh, in popular culture or what how it's portrayed in its many different forms and kind of what the mainstream perception of that is, I'd love to give a little bit of an insight about what what our bias is. Show, show the folks at home, okay, this is where we're coming from, so they kind of uh, have a, an honest place to start from. Okay. And I think, Casey, you had came, had come up with a very good, concise definition of how we see... Uh, sex as the ultimate act of love, mm. marital, yeah. marital love between a man and a wife, uh, a husband and wife. Um, right. It is that uh, that action itself is the ultimate act of love, of marital love. Mm-hmm. And uh, as long as there are certain conditions met, exactly. married, of course, uh, free, total, faithful, and fruitful are the four kind of conditions of being able to truly give yourself to somebody and love someone yes and of course we have to unpack each one of those conditions right but um i'd love to save that for last and kind of juxtapose that little short definition or that bias with how we perceive what we see in art and culture old taylor swift is a place i would love to start now i I know a whole generation of women looks uh look to taylor swift as a sort of a role model um, and that's kind of our uh, reasoning for wanting to start with her. Um, and a song, we'd love to play an example of what her perception of uh, sex is in a song called Wildest Dreams. Casey, hit it. Wildest dreams, 
that of sex that's very appealing in that where she's talking about his hands are in my hair his clothes are in my room there's a a yearning there that uh it just makes makes us uh it, it strikes at least a chord with me where there's a desire for a relationship there's a desire for love that is uh it seems like she's found and when i listen to that uh, it makes me want to have that same relationship, to have that same thing that she has. At the same time, I feel like there's a huge amount of sadness there. There's shame almost. Mm -hmm. When she's talking about uh, no one has to know what we do, right. there's a element of something is wrong about this and also an element that something will go wrong about this if other people find out, an element of danger. What else do you hear in that, Casey? Yeah, I mean, the thing that really strikes me is just the very first line where she says that nobody has to know what we do. And I just, I don't know. I wonder why. You know, why is it that people think they can put this into art and that it's okay, but that that it's wrong at the same time? It's like, why doesn't anyone have to know? I don't know. I can't help but be struck when I listen to that song uh, in uh, A, the sense of longing, B, almost the sense of sadness that's there. I, I, I feel like we've there's something that's been lost in that song that she's speaking to, to the fact that either, you know, this relationship is not what... Uh, not what she was hoping it would be because it's or not what it was she was hoping it was going to be uh because there's there's a, a sense that she can't share it with anyone hmm. a sense of actual wrongdoing which seems almost to contrast where uh, it's at odds with herself mm -hmm. because you know at the same time she'll have to maintain that this lifestyle is is completely is completely justifiable there's nothing wrong with it because she's doing it so there there's this weird i feel like a twist in the pool in this song between what her past values were and what her current ones are or she's saying in in her, her wildest wild dreams. dreams right so she's realizing that this is not real mm -hmm. that what she wants is not what she has or what she can get mm -hmm. with what she's doing. Because it, it, it's, it's beyond wildest dreams. It's, it's not attainable. 
it's interesting. Like the, the the image of sex that I feel is coming through in this song is something that can't be attained. It's a yearning for something that can't be had. Wow. Okay. So you're saying that she has this yearning for some type of love or comfort or fulfillment of feeling that she has a desire for and that she thinks it's through this wildest dream that she's having and describing which is the bedroom scene that she just described and no i somewhat yes but i think the the big key is say you'll remember me almost as if she's saying that this is passing and that this is going to leave Mm. like this is a transitory thing that cannot be held on to yeah okay gotcha which is almost to me a direct reflection on the fact that this is premarital sex this is sex that is not going to continue this is a relation this is sex in a relationship that is not not committed yeah not committed to continue yeah one that's very easily lost and probably will be Mm -hmm. so then what do you think what do you think her general outlook on sex then from just that that you just described is given this song well, I, I definitely think that there's a sentimental outlook to it. Where uh, yeah. It, okay. There's something that uh, it's it's a it's a big uh, uh, how nice it is and how good it is, how pleasurable it is, mm-hmm. but not a real understanding of how it something good can come of it that's lasting. Um, right. Because it it's just, it's it's a dream. It's it's an illusion. Yeah. You don't think the fact that she recognized that means that she knows that what I, we're saying, what I'm you're not, saying? I'm not sure it's a recognition as more... I, like, I can be sad about something without knowing why I'm sad about it. Right. I, I've, I've done that all the time. And I remember my dad, the first thing he asked me when I'm feeling down is, well, why are you down? Yeah. And he goes, the first step in figuring out why... You, to how to be happy again is figure out why you're sad. And um, so I think you can sing about being sad about something without actually realizing the sure, problem. Sure. Okay. So mm. I'm not I'm not convinced that she knows the problem. Okay. <laughs> but I'm not I'm sure I, I, our viewers are probably frustrated with me the fact that I'm pointing out a problem with something that I don't think the song was trying to point out a problem. But my point is Yeah is that there is an underlying problem in the view of sex that's being presented here because there is a sadness in the song that's not really quite explained. Gotcha. And even the music is kind of sad, too. Yeah, it it kind of reminds me of a Frank Sinatra song where there's a a longing for something that has been lost, you know, that nostalgia almost. I have a distinct feeling of nostalgia Hmm. when I listen to that. Interesting. All right. Can we switch gears a bit? Yeah, let's move to what? Movies I'd love to or? talk about uh, no, no, another singer that uh, a, a pal of T Swift, uh, Selena Gomez. She came up with that song, "Good for You," that I think is a great example, and uh, I think that has a interesting uh, view about uh, sex and relationships that we could talk about. Fourteen carries. I'm fourteen carries. 
So I can feel feminists screaming at us from all over the world with that song. But what are they saying? What are they saying to us? Well, I'm not sure if they're screaming at us. They're probably singing, screaming at Selena Gomez. But I mean, and I think they have a point. I think that that presents a really problematic view about sex as almost a woman singing about how she's happy to be in possession of a man in that sexual relationship, in that sexual act. Now. I don't know if I missed something, but which part of it is kind of in the sexual act? Well, she's definitely alluding to it. Uh, the line, syncopate my skin to your heart beating and leave this dress a mess on the floor, definitely, to my mind, alludes to the sexual act. Okay. But the thing that's you- interesting about it is the possessiveness of it that, I'm, that, we're, that I feel she's talking about. Mm-hmm. Almost as if, though, she's embracing it. Okay. Well, isn't that a pretty normal and okay thing for a woman to want, or anybody to want, to be, to want someone to need them like that, to embrace? But she's not singing about some man needing her. She's singing about how she belongs to a man. Mm Mm-hmm. Don't we all want to belong to someone? I mean, isn't that, isn't that okay? I think, so the part that struck me was the skin tight. She says, I want to look good for you and wear a skin tight dress. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Um, well, she talks about a skin tight dress, but then she talks about it dropping to the ground and talks yeah, okay. about almost like what she, how she looks is leading up to sex to begin with or in to end with gotcha. um it's an image of innocence that's anything but mm-hmm. um i think that uh the point though here that i that i was seeing is in this song you're singing about something very similar to you see in a movie like 50 shades of gray that women themselves are singing about or flocking to like in the example of 50 shades of gray over 90 percent of the audience was female but it's about a man sexually assaulting a woman and the woman liking it yeah a woman being worse than subservient to a man a woman being a plaything and existing for the pleasures of a man almost in sex and the part that is surprising to me is how women are seem to be attracted to it. Fifty Shades of Grey was one of the most successful movies of last year. Yeah. I mean, I think that's something that 
has happened over time and people don't know any better. Um, but I think it's based on truth because I think that I think that women want to have a man who's worthy of them giving themselves to him. And that can be twisted around and then it can turn into something like this where a man treats a woman like a sexual object and she's just for pleasure and she thinks that that's all that maybe she's there for. And then maybe you get something where somebody says, yeah, I'll do whatever it is that you like and want and that's it. And that's all I'm good for. So I don't know if that's exactly gone this far in this song. No, not yet. Not yet, but it's alluding to something that's mm -hmm. interesting. Now, I've wanted to look good for people. I I mean, if if I was just dressing for myself, then I would always be a slob i looking good for i'm not trying to say anyone that looks good for somebody is submitting to something that is that is beneath them that's not the point at all but there is something that's almost a little frightening to me in that song by the uh subservience and the existence of the female for sex mm-hmm. uh that it seems to be presented but i think there is a, another example of sex that is uh a lot lighter and brighter, perhaps. Can we play that song? Every time the two get undressed, I hear symphonies in my head. I wrote this song just. Looking at you, oh, 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 yeah, the drums, they swing low, and the trumpets, they go, and the trumpets, they go, yeah, the trumpets, they go. Me of a Kanye West song. Kanye West song. <laughs> Is it weird that I hear trumpets when you turn me on? Turning me on. Is it weird that your bra remind me of a Katy Perry song? Every time the two get undressed, I hear symphonies in my head. Okay. So the first time. I heard this song. I was listening to mostly the music, and I was loving it. I was dancing in the car, basically. I was like, what is this? It sounds so epic and joyful, and it sounds a little different than everything else that I'm hearing on the radio right now. This is awesome. And then I keep listening, and the lyrics start to enter into my mind. And I'm like, wait a second. This guy is sitting here talking about how this girl is getting undressed, and he's using this awesome music to talk about it and yet he's kind of describing her as being reminded of a Kanye West song like her butt reminds him of that and then there's another thing that just made me angry her bra is a Katy yes, Perry exactly. song and 
I guess uh, her articles of clothing remind him of songs. I don't yeah. know why. But, you know, the thing that I find this song really confusing. Like, at first I was, I was angry <laughs> I think, about I it. I think it is. The song itself is, you know, it's like a buddy song. The instrumentals are like Woody and Toy Story, but um, <laughs> the lyrics itself are about almost, you know, she's doing a strip tease for him and then they're getting it on. It's it's really I, I'm confused. Yeah. I don't I don't understand. Yeah. It's almost like this is the reward that this artist is giving the woman that like oh look this is how you're making me feel good job. It's because it's flippant. It's a flippant song. It's flippant. I hear you. I think what bothers me the most about it is the references to pop culture. Hmm. So. Yeah, you know, the the marital act should not remind you of pop culture. Hmm. That is extremely degrading. To I the agree. Marital act, I think. Yeah, it is degrading. So yeah. that that in, is what bothers me. It is. Well, I mean, I think your point is very well made. It's it's almost you're taking something that is a high point right. of a relationship and an expression of love mm-hmm. and you're saying that it's it's a Katy Perry song you know yeah. something that you hear on the radio 50 times a day that is it's it's almost it it it's not as special anymore right. hmm. you know i think uh another example of of sex in movies that we see a lot of is is something that we could pass over quickly but at the same time ought to be mentioned is the sort of sex that you see in the Martin Scorsese movies like the uh, Wolf of Wall Street or things like that where mm. it's it's just uh, it's completely a complete moment of pleasure that's passing glorified pl- pleasure yeah glorified pleasure that we know ends in pain at some point just yeah. just like in Nice Guys just like in Wolf, well, Wolf of Wall Street all of those movies, you see it presented in the exact same way that is in, it's incredibly contradictory because in one hand he's glorifying it and the other hand he's pointing out how it's not going to end well. So, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, you see that in a lot of what Scorsese is a perfect example of that. I think a much more interesting example of sex in popular culture is in the TV show uh, Sex and the City. Uh, this really has become an icon for how uh, I've seen women understand sex and the relationships uh, that you, that a lot of us have these days. Uh, could we play that clip from Sex in the City? Birthday, dear Miranda. Happy birthday to Another 30-something birthday with a group of unmarried female friends. We would all have preferred a nice celebratory conference call. You were saying, look, look, if you're a successful saleswoman in this city, you have two choices. You can bang your head against the wall and try and find a relationship, or you can say, screw it, and just go out and have sex like a man. You mean with dildos? No, I mean without feeling. Samantha Jones was a New York inspiration, a public relations executive. She routinely slept with good-looking guys in their 20s. Mm. Remember that guy that I was going out with? Oh, God, what was his name? Drew. 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 The sex guy. Right. Well, afterwards, I didn't feel a thing. It was like, hey, babe, gotta go. Catch you later. And I completely forgot about him after that. But are you sure that that isn't just because he didn't call you? Sweetheart, this is the first time in the history of Manhattan that women have had as much money and power as men. Plus, 
The equal luxury of treating men like sex objects. Yeah, except men in this city fail on both counts. I mean, they don't want to be in a relationship with you, but as soon as you only want them for sex, they don't like it. All of a sudden, they can't perform the way they're supposed to. <laughs> That's when you dump them. Oh, come on, ladies. Are we really that cynical? What about romance? Yeah. yeah. No, romance. It's like that guy, Jeremiah, the poet. I mean, the sex was incredible. But then he wanted to read me his poetry and go out to dinner and the whole chat bit. And I'm like, let's not even go there. What are you saying? Are you saying you're just going to give up on love? Oh, that's no, sick. no, no, no. Believe me. If the right guy comes along and you two right here, this whole thing, right out the window. Uh, no, no, no. Thanks, so. The right guy is an illusion. You understand that? You can start living your life. So you think it's really possible to pull off this whole um, women having sex like men thing? You're forgetting the last seduction. You are obsessed with that movie. Okay, Linda Fiorentino. Well, that's a. I, every time I watch that scene, and I've seen it a couple times now, uh, but that scene itself is striking. A, how well written it is, but B, um, this example of a liberated woman and what that means for sex. But what stood out to you? The one one girl says how she's tired of having sex, right? And it's a, too much of a job for her. Yeah. And then the other one says, you're just going to give up on love? Mm -hmm. So that obviously struck me as a big problem. Well, how so? Because they're equating sex to love. Mm. And I guess you can kind of see that throughout everything that we've gone over, is that people have a confused view of what part of love is sex mm-hmm. or is sex love mm-hmm. you know people don't know yeah and I think that's uh, that's exactly what the point uh, of, of this podcast is is okay there's an image in popular culture very much that a sex is extremely pleasurable and, and some camps are like okay well, let's just use it for pleasure and there's some camps that say well sex is love um, and both of them might be completely sentimental, but those are the images that are portrayed. And one of them is seen as kind of like, oh, this is the good side. Sex is love. And then there's the cynical side where just use sex for pleasure or sometimes the man. That's how the man do things, which I think is completely idiotic. Yeah. I mean, I've never run into a man that actually successfully uh, has that way of life that's a myth the the two camps are still both wrong one of them might be a little less harmful when you say oh sex is just for when you're in love mm-hmm. um, right. but it's still a simplification of something that is beyond it mm-hmm. and I think that's exactly what we're going to come down to in our next episode where we're talking about how um what is theology of the body and then compare it to that mindset which you see in sex in the city and you see in this popular culture sort of a cage match to say between uh theology of the body and uh our understanding of what sex is against what we saw in this popular culture today now um it's going to be beyond our scope i think to talk about that and our audience might be realizing that it's just two guys that are kind of going through examples but not really saying exactly what and how these are wrong so that's why we're bringing in a guest next week 
who uh, is a, more of a theology of the body expert, but also an, an actress that's living and working in Los Angeles who gives talks on theology of the body to uh, to people who need to understand this idea. And I think she'll be able to really bring home the point about what wins or how one falls short, one ideology against the other. And so I, I thank our audience for uh, bearing with Casey and I in this one. Um, and we hope you are able to come back for part two of Poets Lunatics, uh, the yeah. sex episodes where we can... Uh, really uh show you the good side of uh of this whole uh this whole wonderful gift that we've been given it's going to be an exciting one yes it will and something that was a bit different about this episode that i wanted our audience to know is that we edited ourselves this is the first episode in which we actually went back and did multiple takes and tried to clean up uh, any flubs that we had and that was because we felt that this topic itself was so important that it merited that other episodes not that they weren't important but that uh we felt off the cuff was appropriate for this episode this wasn't the case probably, probably go back to different things next episodes all right well jesse we missed you casey thank you so much thank you james and we'll see you next time on poets and lunatics No one has to know what we